Welcome to Opus Private Clients Wealth Style Podcast. All of the material discussed on our podcasts have specific themes, and that's to move your wealth and lifestyle forward, increase your purpose, and provide you with clarity and confidence. Opus's mantra is always forward. We have found that regardless of one's wealth, moving your lifestyle forward is the number one priority for our clients. On our podcast, we'll share our rich 35 years of experience in designing strategies, share clients' experiences, and introduce resources that have positively impacted our clients. We trust that you will enjoy our direct, transparent, and realistic approach to positively impacting the quality of you and your family's lives. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Opus Wealth Style Podcast. My name is Yvonne Watanabe. I'll be your host today. I'm excited to have on a dear friend of mine and uh, partner, Jeremy Suarez from Tomorrow. What's going on, Jeremy? How are you, man? Hey, Yvonne. What's going on? All good. All good. So, Jeremy, I'm excited to have you on today to talk to our listening audience about the things that you're particularly passionate and expert in, that being estate planning and business exit planning. So, before we start, just kind of introduce yourself, introduce the firm, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Again, my name is Jeremy Suarez. The, uh, the firm is Tomorrow. We're located here in central Jersey, right on the Jersey Shore. Currently, our office is situated in Wall Township, New Jersey. And we're very excited you know, with this whole COVID relook at our space. We we're actually moving our operation entirely into Red Bank, New Jersey. You know, The firm has been around, I'd say, about 10 years now. I'm one of three partners. And we have a great team of folks here, about 15 people, guys and gals that really support not only the firm, but really our clients in various different types of financial planning, estate planning, and of course, business transition and exit planning. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm glad to have you on today because I know that a majority of your practice is focused towards your small, small privately owned businesses and the challenges that they face and how you guys help them out. So tell the audience a little bit more about what your practice is focused on and, and how you're going about helping these folks in their businesses. Sure. Yeah. So there's really three defined, I would say, departments here at the firm, right? Uh, my partner, Michael Canarak, he's an estate planning attorney by trade. And in that world, he supports clients really in doing everything as simple as putting together a will and trust for their family, sitting with business owners and developing operating and business continuity arrangements all the way to more advanced strategies as it relates to asset shifting and tax planning. Then, Avon, you know, similar to, to your practice, we have a wealth management department that we do comprehensive macroeconomic-based financial planning for our clients. Myself and David of my other partner, we tend to lead the conversations in that domain. And then the third department, really what we're going to talk about today is the business planning and the business quote-unquote exit planning department that Really, Mike Kanarek and I have championed over the last five years. What we found was in New Jersey, a lot of our clientele looked very similar. And, you know, what it consisted was of spouses working, you know, and typically one of those spouses would be working in corporate America, whether it's Northern Jersey, Central Jersey, or even Manhattan. And a lot of times their spouse was a member of or owner of or employee of a, what we would define as a closely held business. So really, our attraction to the business exit planning space really was a result of just catering to the needs of our developing clientele. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. I mean, it's a huge need and I know what kind of value that you provided your clients, especially over the, the last year and how challenging it was 
you know, we certainly ran through some of those paces on, on our end. So finding out a little bit more about what you're doing over there is great. And I guess a good place to start would be, you know, at what point in the conversation do people start to contact you for how they think about their business, how their business should be structured? You know, where do they start? It's a good question. Typically, we stimulate the discussion, right? Since we're known in the community as quote-unquote financial planners, and Michael is known as an estate planning attorney, typically they engage with us in one of those areas. And we make it a point to just bring up the, the idea of or the opportunity of, let's, let's look at your business. It happens to be probably the biggest asset on your balance sheet and certainly is the driving force behind cash flow and, and a lot of our discussions. And at times that's received well. And at times, like any other business owners, they say, hey, listen, I, I really don't have time to do a lot of comprehensive business planning. Let's just maybe focus on one or two objectives. And that's how we gradually dip our toe in the water as it relates to what would be a developing a roadmap for a transition or a business exit, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. I think for folks that are coming to you and to us for business exit planning advice, you know, it's funny because they all come in different stages. They're all coming at different aspects of their business, whether their exit is imminent or they're thinking about something for the future, right? What do you recommend for folks and what point do you think they should start to contact somebody like you to help them plan that? Is it, you know, six months before they think about selling? Is it five years before they're thinking about selling? You know, when's the right time to engage the conversation? Yeah, it's certainly not six months. It's funny. <laughs> Whenever the phone rings and the infrequent times that it rings and it says, listen, I want to talk about business e exit planning. The reality is it's probably too late, right? So the ideal sweet spot to get involved in that discussion is somewhere between giving yourself the five to seven year runway. And by the way, business exit planning is nothing more than strategic planning within your business, right? For the overwhelming majority of our clients, the exit is a little bit further off. And we find that for even those that are inclined to say, hey, I want to really start thinking about transitioning my business, a five to seven year runway would allow us to really be thoughtful in our design, put some strategies and tactics in play and value drivers, as we would say, to really support with driving maximum value within the confines of the business, but then also giving them the patience and the options. So when the time is right to ultimately begin to facilitate that transaction, which can come in many different ways, they're prepared, they're educated, and we've been able to put as many stop losses in place to support, really support the idea of having that business owner drive maximum or receive maximum value as a result of that transition. Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny. It seems like business owners come with one of four objectives in mind, right? One of which is, you know, how do I stay in the business? not only stay in the business, but remain profitable. What do you see as some of the other sort of scenarios that business owners want to try to accomplish as they start to plan for the exit? Sure. You know, one very common thing that comes up, Yvonne, is how do I protect what's been built, right? It's almost like they've, you know, to use a football analogy, they've ran four, three quarters already, right? And now they're at that fourth quarter and ideas or maybe life events either personal or business, have now put them in the mind space of, okay, well, maybe it makes sense to start thinking about what's next and de-risking 
outside eroding factors typically is one of the first things that comes to mind when people start thinking about, okay, well, again, I just want to protect what I have because it's been pretty good so far. Another thing that comes up is within the vein of support and lifestyle maintenance, but not only for themselves, their family, other loved ones, as well as their key employees, right? I find business owners to be phenomenal in that space. Whereas, yes, they absolutely want to make sure that they're financially secure. And we do a lot of work in, you know, defining what it is that they currently have and how we can ultimately bridge the gap. But I find that the majority of the entrepreneurs that we work with, you know, there's love in those discussions, right? They're, they want to make sure that other people that have supported themselves and the business to get to whatever point that they're at are also taken care of, right? So we start having discussions around that and that's probably one of the more exciting discussions that we have. And then ultimately, the last piece, especially for family businesses, it opens up some technical discussions around, okay, well, how can I ultimately execute this? Should I be selling it to a third party? Should I sell it to my family member? Is there key employees that we believe to be suitable successors in taking this business maybe to a level that it's never even been before? So those are you know three typical themes that I hear come up often. Yeah, I absolutely love working with family-owned businesses because they bring such a unique dynamic to the plan, right? I mean, it's the inner workings and every business is different and one child is in the business, the other child's not in the business, has no interest in, in kind of continuing on. One spent you know, their entire lifetime in there. How do you make sure that they're both taken care of in different ways? And it becomes a really unique challenge, but it's a really exciting one. And I think, I know you do a ton of work in there. So can you give an example of one of the strategies or one of the ways that you've been able to help a particular business kind of exit out? For the listening audience, I think it would be really interesting to give an example of some of the work that you do do and some of the solutions that you can provide for folks. Sure. Well, relative to our business, to take a step back, Yvonne, the majority of our businesses are you know small, closely held, right? So we would define that as four to maybe 700 employees. And depending on the business, there may be an appetite, but more likely there isn't an appetite for, let's say, a sale to a third party. So what I've seen most recently, and again, this just may be the fact pattern of people that have been coming to us from you know various different sources, is key employee retention has been key, right? Identifying individuals that have the ability to drive value within your business. More importantly, they care as much a lot of times as the business owner around seeing success, both monetary as well as other metrics. So key employee retention has been something that we've been really focusing on. As it relates to key employee planning, it's an interesting discussion because really what we're focusing on there is rewarding and retaining, right? And that rewarding and retaining could ultimately evolve into many different types of discussions. The first is it's a very competitive market here. We're finding that less and less of our business clientele are actually going through a strategic process to sell to an outside party. And the business owners tend to like the idea of control, right? So if they can identify the right buyer within the ecosystem of the business and they can control the terms and conditions on how ultimately they transition it, that tends to be a very solid option around getting maximum value on both sides of the transaction. Now, the key is keeping those individuals 100% in line and insulated from ultimately getting poached from outside competitors, right? So 
traditionally, when people come to us, the form of locking in their key people is a very simple competitive compensation package and ultimately bonus. So what we do is we add the layer of, okay, well, we of course want to make sure that those key employees are taking care of their families and their, their personal wants and needs. But what about if we put something in place that is you know, seductive enough and enticing enough to keep that individual around, make them feel like they're a part of the growing enterprise business. And as you develop that pool of capital for the individual, they now can ultimately view that capital as monies to use privately, or they could use that money for seed money to ultimately now buy into the business properly. Because the, you know, one of the focuses in working with key employees is they tend to typically have the want, the drive, and the skills to do so. A lot of times they lack the capital to actually buy into a business at a right time. So, you know, that's a hurdle that we have to support our business clients with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the idea, right? Is, hey, we've identified the right person, but maybe they don't have the capital. So how do we help them accumulate the money in the proper ways and help them actually fund the transaction so both parties win? And I think one of the things that came to light, I think over the last year and a half through COVID is which employees are critical to the business. Right. I think never before have we really truly realized how valuable some certain employees may be to a business and the continuity of that business. And we're seeing business owners come to us and really trying to figure out how do I make sure that this individual stays with us for the long term because they are so important to the business? And how do we make sure that they feel valued and feel well compensated? And that's part of the reason why the conversation needs to happen sooner than later. Right. The last thing you want to have is your key employee coming to you saying, hey, I got this other opportunity and I'm going to take it because you delayed the conversation and didn't do the planning up front to, to figure out how to actually keep them on board. So going back to my previous question on when they should start, I think that's another reason for folks to reach out sooner than later to get this planning up and running. Sure. And it stimulates the conversation. A lot of times in those discussions, which we like to help facilitate a bond, you'll uncover some things that may have never been covered before, right? An example would be, okay, well, I believe this individual to be my key employee, but they may not have an appetite to be a business owner, right? right? So simply just having the discussion and beginning to have, create the roadmap around the possibility of the transition, a lot of times you'll find that your focus and your people may also change, not from a day-to-day perspective, but getting clear on other individuals' wants, goals, and aspirations becomes equally important. Now, in terms of that also, you know, an employer may have, or a business owner may have every intention of setting this thing up. Do you find that liquidity is a concern, an issue, you know, especially these days with people being even more focused on their balance sheet? Is that a concern that you're seeing often? Cash flow is always a focus. So yes, depending on the industry, oddly enough, with COVID, we found many, many clients of ours have extremely solvent balance sheets with all these programs that are going on and really a hyper focus on tightening the belt as it relates to their day-to-day operating budget. I would say the majority of the businesses, fortunately, that we've been working with are experiencing increases in their liquidity and their reserves, right? So you know, now that brings the opportunity and potentially the obstacle of now managing that against other eroding factors, right? We support a lot of clients who are building out, you know, liquidity management and what we would call liquidity ladders. 
We've implemented other tools, whether they be insurance-based tools or equity-based tools to support with that liquidity and maybe increasing their cash flow. And also guarding against currency risk, right? With yep. the amount of money that's getting pumped right now into the economy and lying on the balance sheets of a lot of these businesses, we want to make sure that currency risk factor is 100% top of mind and we're doing everything to support clients in navigating with that. Yep. But yes, back to your initial point regarding cash flow, like any business owner, me, you, cash flow is paramount, right? And really that becomes the springboard to allow us to do a lot of creative things within the domain of business retention, continuity, and ultimately exit plan. Yeah. Especially these days with the way legislative changes have been happening and tax changes are being proposed, it really feels like it's never been as important as it is today to start this planning and start this work, given what we see upcoming for, again, legislative and tax changes, right? There's so much going on that people need to be proactive. Business owners need to be proactive in making sure that they're actually planning both from the estate side, but also from the business side. What do you see as some major mistakes that business owners have made over the last couple of years, over the last couple of decades? Where do you see people making some large mistakes? Sure. The first area I would say is within the area of de-risking what it is that they're up to, right? So doing things as simple as doing reviews of their estate planning and their business continuity planning, buy sells, operating arrangements, et cetera. A lot of times when we're faced with volatile times, we'll say, risk management tends to be the unsung hero, right? So a part of the process, really phase one of our process at least, is this idea of de-risking. You know, we bring in the planning team, if you will. We wear the hat of estate planning attorney and wealth manager, we'll sit with the property and casualty specialist, we'll sit with the accountant and other individuals that are integral on the team and just say, okay, well, where are their exposures? Where can we ultimately play offense in that world of preventative planning to ensure that what it is that we're building continues to move in the right direction? So I would say with business owners having tendency of being growth-minded, taking a step back and having an equal focus on risk management and de-risking future exposures becomes a, an opportunity that, that presents itself. So that's a missing or a mistake at times that we find where individuals step over that part of the process. Right. Because they're, try, they're super focused again on like all good business owners on growth, right? So they're not necessarily trying to look backwards or trying to look at their blind side. They just want to focus on, okay, well, how do I actually exit this and what's the number, but not necessarily taking into consideration some of those blind spots. 100%. Yeah. So the risk management piece, again, becomes the unsung hero a lot of times and properly done. It will actually will support in driving value and growth within the organization in a very unique way. And the other piece, going back to the timeline, right? The, the very, very common mistake is just not giving yourself enough time to properly structure whatever version of a transition ultimately becomes imminent in your business, right? So timing like everything else becomes everything. And what we always encourage clients is let's take this in small pieces, right? We totally get that we can't dedicate 40 hours a week to this idea of doing business planning because there's a lot of things that have to get done day to day. But if we bite this off in very small pieces and we can accomplish goals that are then defined by metrics over a period of three, four, five, six, seven years, that certainly will support with driving value in a really big way within the business. 
Right. That's slow, methodical approach that doesn't overwhelm the business owner so that they don't feel like they're taking too much time away from what's most important, which is, you know, running and growing the business. So I think your approach that I've gotten the ability to see is a really successful one for clients. Before we kind of wrap up, Art, what do you want to make sure that the audience sort of leaves behind or, or takes away from the conversation today, whether that be strategy or philosophy as it relates to, to business exit planning? Sure. I would say business ex exit planning really starts with the mentality of planning with an end in mind, right? Which business owners inherently understand, right? They look at something, they look at an opportunity and they say, okay, well, what would be the best result and how can I ultimately navigate there within a reasonable amount of time to achieve that goal, right? So when we look at the exit planning, I would share with business owners, start thinking about what, you know, what the end in mind looks like. And it's not only going to be monetary, core values. What is it that you want your business to represent? Is it a cash flow business? Is it an enterprise, you know, et cetera? So have that mindset of planning with, with an outcome. I would say that's really the key piece. And then the other takeaway is very fundamental. It's don't view whether it's wealth management, the risk management, or the business transition exit planning as something that may deter from otherwise growing your business. Business exit planning is nothing more than sound strategic planning to support the growth of your business, right? Everyone's going to exit at some point, whether it's death, sale to a third party, sell to an insider, et cetera, et cetera. The key here is if we can just take a proactive approach, at least just broaching the conversation, a lot of times in having that discussion, it may uncover some things that are uncomfortable and in including outside objective individuals that offer this idea of thoughtful dis disagreement becomes very important as well, right? So don't view what, what it is, Yvonne, that you and I do as something that will take away, but rather accentuate the business and certainly support and be one of the key value drivers around getting to whatever the next phase for the business ultimately is. Absolutely. I mean, I think the cost of not engaging in this type of planning, if you're a business owner, is extremely high, right? And could you be leaving money on the table, not only for your family, but for the business, could you be leaving money on the table in the form of unnecessary paid taxes, right? All of those things that we really uncover and help clients with, you know, on this exits planning is the ultimate cost if they don't engage in this type of process, whether it be with, with you or some other type of professional. But I think that conversation needs to happen sooner than later, right? I think ultimately that's what we're saying. Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, well, Jeremy, I really appreciate you coming on, man. We're definitely going to have to have another episode to talk a little bit more strategy and a little bit more detail. Where can the audience find out more about tomorrow and more about your practice? Sure. You know, we just launched this microsite, so I'll, I'll share that, right? You know, it's like this new business card. Yvonne, as you know, I'm not that tech savvy, but to find some information on us, we just, again, launched this microsite, SuarezPlanningTeam.com. So, on that website, it's just a quick summary of really what our process is. And I would guide people more towards our, our business owner, business newsletter area where it's not a product driven or strategy driven type of platform. It's really just thoughtful insights from professionals around the country that have just added to that library, if you will, just to support stimulating discussions amongst business owners around the possibility of just doing some planning. Awesome. Well, Jeremy, I appreciate you, man. And to the listening audience, thank you for tuning in. You can click 
subscribe below to listen in on more podcasts as we release them. Thank you so much. Be well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Style Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or Opus Private Client, LLC, and opinions stated are their own. Yvonne Watanabe is registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Opus Private Client LLC is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Opus Private Client LLC is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. Yvonne's California Insurance License Number 0H44206. Compliance Approval 2023-157683 expires June 2025.